little recap for what we've been over. Uh, for chapter one, we looked at Jonah as the runaway, as a guy God called to talk to his own people. And he says, yes, I'll go. But he says, you go to Nineveh. And Jonah says, uh, thanks. I've, I, I don't want to go do that. I'm running away. Uh, and we learn in that lesson, you can run from God, but you cannot hide. And Jonah ran away. We, we know that in our own lives, sometimes God asks us to do things we don't want to do. And it's easy to say no. It's easy to run away. And if we do, we're going to face the consequences. And Jonah the rescue, he ran away from God. He boarded a ship heading for Nineveh. And the great big waves, big great big storm, he ended up getting tossed overboard. And God provided a great big fish to swallow him up and bring him back to where he was supposed to go. And if we say no to God, we're going to need uh, God's blessing or God's help uh, to rescue us from this, the, the mess that we've created for ourselves. And Jonah, number chapter 3, we looked at last week, was Jonah the revival. Jonah went and he preached 40 more days and then Nineveh is going to be over, just overturned, destroyed. And those people repented. They turned of their wicked ways. They, they stopped all the evil that they were doing. They stopped eating. They were fasting. They were praying to this God that they really didn't know in hope that God would rescue them. And what we saw last week is that if you do what God's asked you to do, it's going to have that intended effect. Kind of like our scripture reading, which said it's the rain which came down here yesterday. We all appreciated it's going to accomplish something. It's going to water the earth. God's word, when it gets shared, is going to accomplish something. If you go and you say and you do what God's asked you to do, it's not in vain. And that's what we saw last week. Well, today we see Jonah the rotten. Because Jonah, he, he wanted God's mercy in his life. He got it while he was in the big fish. And God rescued him, put him on dry land to go. And then when God showed that same kind of compassion to the people of Nineveh, Jonah got rotten. Jonah got mad. He was angry that, that God would even think of showing that kind of love to his enemies. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, through, our, through our message. Uh, before we do, let's pray and ask God that my tongue is not like it was last week. God, again, we just thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that we see in this book. I thank you for how much it has spoken to me and hopefully spoken to your people uh, throughout the last three weeks and that it would speak to us today. You know, God, the things in our minds that we need to set aside to hear specifically from you how to apply this to our lives. And I pray that you would do that. In Jesus' name, amen. So imagine, if you would, you have a piece of paper. Okay, everybody's got a piece of paper, and you're going to draw a line like this. Okay? On one side of your piece of paper, you're going to write the names of every single group of people that you love. Who are you going to include? I'm going to include my family. I'm going to include my friends. I'm going to include the people that I work with. I'm going to include my neighbors, the kids on my basketball team. I'm going to include the people in America, right? Whoever that is on that list, you've written it down and you say, I love these people. Now think about who are the people that you didn't include on that list and write them on the other side. Maybe you said, I don't really love my family. I'm not including my family. Maybe you say, I don't really love my classmates. I want the, to get the farthest away from them. I was one of those guys that really didn't care too much about my classmates. I had one classmate I enjoyed. That was my brother. Um, you might say, I don't care about the abortion doctors. I don't love them. 
I'm one of those guys that when I first understood what that was like and how they ripped babies apart in the womb, I wanted to take a bat and beat them all up. Like break every bone in their body one swing at a time. That's how I felt. I still feel that way. It's not right, but that's... It's tough to love people like that. Maybe say, I don't love human traffickers. I don't love serial bombers. Anybody want to add those people to your I love list? No. You want to keep those on the people that I don't love. But you know what we see in today's passage, what we see that we already know, is that God loves you and God loves them. We know this because God is a consistent God. He doesn't, you know, he can look at me and say, well, I'm not, am I, I can look at me. I, me, me, me. I can look at me and say, I'm not as bad as a human trafficker because I didn't do that kind of stuff, right? I'm really not that bad. I didn't ever kill anybody. I didn't ever blow up a school. I never did anything like that. I can look at me and say, I'm not that bad. But you know what I am? I'm a sinner. The wages of for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I am a sinner. And so I, you might as well love me in that same group of people as somebody who, who, who doesn't need, who, who is on the I do not love list. Put me on that list because that's what I should be. But you, we, what we see in today's passage is that God is a consistent God. And so God loves me and God loves you and God loves everybody that I love. But God is consistent. God, he loves everybody that I don't love either. Okay, so that's what we're going to see today in the passage of chapter 4 in the book of Jonah. You probably need a Bible if you're going to do this right. Jonah chapter 4. It's 11 verses long. Jonah chapter 4. Okay, so... First of all, what I want to point out is that our God is a consistent God. He's, he's, he's going to do this, be the same character all the way through. Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 says, But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. Why was he angry? Was because what you see in chapter 3, verse 10, it says, When God saw that the, what, what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. Jonah hears this, he knows this, and he's upset. And he's angry because these are my enemies enemies, God. Look what they did to my friends and to your people, and look what you did. You let them off the hook. So Jonah's angry about this, and he prayed to the Lord. He says, is this not what I said when I was still at home? This is why I was so quick to flee Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take my life. It is better for me to die than to live. Jonah and his temper tantrum. God is a consistent God. And it's, Jonah says, I knew that you were would do this. I knew that you'd be loving and compassionate. How did Jonah know that? Well, first of all, you can look at Jonah's own life. Recently, he was in a great big fish, right? He was bait. He was uh, fish food, and he was should have died there. But God had compassion on him, so he can look at his own life and say, God, you had compassion on me. So I knew from experience. In our Old Testament class, we've discussed this over and over, how compassionate God is, how loving he is, how many opportunities he gave God's people to get it right. Jonah knows 
a lot of that time. He's, he knows he's living through some of this stuff. He knows the history of Israel. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, if you, if you turn there, you see almost the same description as what you see here about him being gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Now that was in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 was uh, a, a familiar story. You know, God had, had Moses come up on Mount Sinai and write out the Ten Commandments, or God gave him the Ten Commandments that he had written out with his fingers on stone. He was up there for 40 days. What happened during that 40 days? All the people downstairs or down at the bottom of the mountain started having a big party. They started saying, where's God? Who was it that brought us out of Egypt? And Aaron, do something. So he took their, their gold and he made this golden calf. And they all started worshiping this calf. And then Moses came down the mountain and he was furious. He took these and he threw them down and he broke them. Well, so now Moses is back up on Mount Sinai, ready to get a second copy. And these same words appears. The Lord is telling uh, Jonah these same things that he is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. So Jonah knows the history. He knows God's character because God is consistent. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. And that could be a good thing. And that could be a not so good thing. So these five character qualities of how consistent God is, I broke them into two categories. And I don't know if you'll agree with me or not about this, but I made them into a positive category and a negative category. Now, obviously, they're all positive, right? And in some sense, they're all written as something positive, but I'm going to show you something negative about them. So the positive one says he is gracious. You know, he's disposed to bestow favor. Like he's, that's his character is he wants to show compassion and mercy to people. He's compassionate. He has sympathy on anyone, anybody who's willing to turn. He doesn't say that person is too far gone. If they return to me, I'm going to reject them. At, at whatever point they come to Jesus, he's willing to forgive them because he's compassionate. He is abounding in love. He has loyal love. He has goodness. He has kindness. Isn't that great? This is what our God is like. He's consistent. He was that way then. He's going to be that way now. And these are the positive. But here's what I picked for the negative. He's slow to anger. He relents from sending calamity. Now, if God is slow to anger, that's a good thing, right? Yep. But what does that mean? That means he also still gets angry. Right? If he's relents from sending calamity, what's that mean? He still, from time to time, will send calamity. That's why they're negative. Because you have a life that you're living, and it only goes so long. You only get so many chances to do what God's asked you to do before consequences start coming. So he is slow to anger. But you can't push that off forever. So be challenged today that I'm not going to wait till tomorrow to do what God's asked me to do. I'm going to do it now, today. This is how, how patient and slow to anger he is. He is in Jeremiah 18, verse 7 through 8. This is, we looked at this last week. It's exactly what happens with the people of Nineveh. He says, If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation I warn repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. He, had, he was planning on wiping 40 more days Nineveh's history, but they repented. And because God is slow to anger, He's abounding in love, He was willing to forgive these people and give them another chance. B. 
because God is consistent. And you, you think about God. How many people like the fact that God treats you with compassion? That he's slow to anger? You know, uh, sometimes... I, I deserve probably quicker anger. I, I don't deserve compassion. I don't. Des- I deserve calamity. I, I deserve bad things because I am not a perfect person. But God is patient. He's forgiving. And I bet you can look and say the same thing. God, thank you that you were compassionate. Thank you for not giving me what I probably deserved at that point. And Jonah, he looks at himself and says, "Man, thank you for rescuing me from that fish. I was. I couldn't do absolutely nothing. I'm just stuck here. You know, I'm just fish food. I'm, I'm going back and forth." With with the fish. That's all I can do. And God had compassion on him. But the problem was, God was consistent. He was going to have compassion on Jonah's enemies. And Jonah did not like that. And so he has his his grown-up temper tantrum, and he's whining to God about him being consistent. Well, because God is consistent, as we see in... uh, Let me... Bring up here, I guess I have in my notes, 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness, but he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. At whatever point of life you're in, whether you've you've rejected Jesus your whole life up until today, or whether you've never heard the name of Jesus, whatever you've accomplished negative in your life, God's willing to forgive you. He wants you to get saved. But like I said, he's slow to anger. At some point, if you don't make your life right with Jesus, it's going to be too late. It says the wages of sin is death. Once you die, that's it. You're not getting a second chance. You're not going to get to stand before God and say, please, one more chance. I'll put my faith in you right now. It's too late because that slow to anger, that relenting from calamity, these negative things are at some point going to bite you. So if you're here and you're pretending that you're a follower of Jesus or if you haven't been walking with Jesus, I encourage you now to get it right. Don't think I've got away with this sin this long, so it must be okay. I haven't died and went to hell yet, so it must be okay. Make it right right now. Even if you quit paying attention to the rest of the sermon, make your life right with Jesus. God is consistent. His character, he's going to love you, he's going to forgive you, but he's also going to let you go to hell if that's what you choose to do because you reject Jesus. So God is consistent. That means God cares about you. Jonah 4, 6. Uh, Let me read verses 3 through 5. It says, here's what Jonah is saying. He says, now, O Lord, take my life. It is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, have you any right to be angry, Jonah? So Jonah went out and he sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Jonah is still holding out hope. I'm going to build myself a shelter. Because if he really believed God was going to... let these people go. He probably would have left. So he's holding out hope. If I just get up on this mountain's top and I, I overlook the city, I have my little comfy shade, my everything I need to, to just for that front row seat. Jonah's still holding out hope that God is going to destroy these people. What a guy. I've had mercy beyond mercy. God's told me he's going to have compassion and I'm still going to sit and wait and hope beyond hope that God's going to destroy these people. You know, if I was Jonah, you know what I would want to do? I'd want to come down to earth, take him, put him over my knee, and spank him. 
I would want to zap him. I would want to pick him up and say, hey, hello, wake up here. You know, this is not how I work. This is not how you're supposed to work. But God's compassionate. You know, God doesn't zap him. He doesn't yell at him. He doesn't do anything. He cares about Jonah's physical condition. It says in uh, verse 5 and Verse 6 says, Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. God's consistent. He cared about Jonah's physical condition. You know, if you're going to be sitting up there, Jonah, you might as well have a little extra shade. It's hot up there. Why? Well, he still cared about them. He still gave them the air to breathe. He didn't just say, okay, you screwed up. I'm done. He says, I'm still going to have compassion on him. But because Jonah is still not, not realizing what he should be realizing that, you know what? God gave me compassion. God wants to give them compassion. God's giving me more compassion. Nothing is sinking into Jonah's head. God has to go a little farther because God cares about Jonah's spiritual condition. Verses 7 through 9, he says, But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you have any right to be angry about the vine? He says, I do. I'm angry enough to die. Has anybody here ever seen something grow up overnight? like a vine. That's a pretty big miracle, especially for Jonah, who is not happy about what God's doing. He gives him this growth overnight to give him shade. Jonah is really not getting the picture. So God says, okay, we're going to take this a step farther because God cares about his spiritual condition. He, he cares about Jonah's heart. He cares about his attitude. He says, it's not right for you to view people this way. You've got to turn around and realize that I am a compassionate God, Jonah. You've got to be a compassionate prophet or person as well. So he sent the worm to kill the vine. Hey, Jonah, wake up. He sent this east wind to torment his body. You know, I have no idea what that felt like. And I, in my whole life, I would have no idea what to compare this to until last summer. Right? Last summer, just I feel like even just walking from church to here is just like this heat wave wind. Miserable. I can only imagine if you're already upset that God's not doing what she wants you to do. He just killed your fine. And now you've got all this heat coming at you. How miserable and how mad can you be? That's where Jonah's at. But God is trying to get his attention. He's trying to wake him up. And he's doing whatever it takes to get Jonah's attention. Because God cares about Jonah's physical condition. And God cares even more about Jonah's spiritual condition. And if God is consistent, guess what God cares about you? First of all, he cares about your physical condition. He cares about what you are going through. Like in, uh, He cares about the stress that you're carrying right now. You know that worry or that anxiety or that concern that you carry with you every single day that might keep you up, that might affect your attitude towards your family because you carry these things? He says in Philippians 4, 7 through 8, if you give it to me, you give me your concerns, I'll give you peace. 
because he cares about your physical condition. He cares about how that that ulcer that could be building. He cares about that stress that hits you in your shoulders. He cares about how that's affecting your the headache that you might be feeling because God cares about your physical condition. He wants to help you. God cares about your your physical needs. In Matthew 10, 29 to 31, he talks about how you are worth more than many sparrows. Now, I've, I've told a couple of people this, that if you walk back and forth between the, the parsonage and the church, I've seen, I think now this morning, make seven birds that have hit the window and have ended their life because they keep trying to fly through. And we go, yes, that's one less bird. No more, less, one less bird up in the bird nest. But guess who cares about those birds? God does. Jesus does. And he says, if I care about them, how much more do I care about you? Did God make a bird in his image? No. Who did he make in his image? Us. He made people in his image. Does a bird get to go to heaven when it runs into the window and it falls down dead? No, it doesn't have a soul. We have a soul. We have that potential. Does a bird get to have a relationship with Jesus? No, but we do because God cares about our physical condition. He's going to provide. And I, I know it would be easy to say, God, I'd like a little bit more. You know, I'd like more rain. I'd like more rays. I'd like a better running car. I'd like all these things. But God knows what you need, and he's going to provide you physically what you need. You may not agree with God, but I'm just letting you know. God knows what you need. He's going to provide because God cares about your physical condition. Isn't that nice? I, I think it's great. But God also cares about your spiritual condition as well. You know, the verse John three sixteen. God cares about your salvation for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How much more could God care? Right. Then to send his own son to die on the cross to take the punishment for your sin so that you have eternal life. God cares that much. He cares that much about us that he's Jesus came to the earth to die on the cross because God cares about your physical condition or your, I mean your spiritual condition. He did whatever it took to make sure you had the opportunity to trust Jesus as your savior. And all he says is come as you are. He doesn't say you have to clean up your life and make it better. He doesn't say you've got to get rid of the skeletons in the closet. He says, just as you are, come to me, to Jesus, and you can have eternal life. Romans 5, 8 says, God showed his love for us in this, while we were still sinners. When I could care less about God, he had already died on the cross to take the punishment for my sin. So God cares about your salvation, but also... God cares about your sanctification. It's just a big fancy word to say this, to make holy, that he would make you set apart, that he would make you more like Jesus. Even kids can understand that big honking word, sanctification. His goal is to make you more like Jesus. One of the famous verses that show this is Romans 8, 28, 29. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And his goal is to make you like Jesus. Let me read that. I thought I was going to remember it better than that. Romans 8, 28 and 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. God's goal is to sanctify you. Once you're saved, his goal is to sanctify you, to make you more like Jesus. And that can come through good experiences and that can come through bad experiences. 
Hebrews 12, 6 says something kind of tough to accept. It says the Lord disciplines everyone he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Why do you think God was punishing Jonah? Because God loved Jonah? Because he cared about his, his spiritual condition. Dads, moms, grandmas and grandpas, people in authority over a kid. How come you punish them? Because you love them. Right? Because you want them to turn out to be a good, healthy adult. You want them to stay away out of jail. You want them to stay out of problems that come because of their behavior. So you discipline them. If you didn't discipline them, you wouldn't love them. You'd be like, sure, get kicked out of school. Sure, go to jail. Sure, wreck your car on the highway because you didn't follow the law. But you love them, so you discipline them. That's what God did to Jonah, and that's what God will do to us if we are his child. If we are going astray, he's going to discipline us because God is consistent. God loved them. God loves me. God loves you. What we find, too, is that God cares about, like I said, God cares about them. God cares about everyone else. And verses 11, or 10 and 11, it says, But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this vine, though you did, did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight, and it died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Right? And commentaries, they point out that 120,000 who don't know your left from my right, or my left from right, they have, they have no idea. Who is, who is he probably talking about? Probably little kids that are too young to understand their left and the right hands. And he says if there's that many, then they have older brothers and sisters. They have parents. They have uncles and aunts and they have grandparents. Shouldn't I care about them? Right? I, I care about you. Shouldn't I care about them also? And God does care about them. Why? Because God is consistent. All throughout Scripture, you see, God is consistent. He loves you. Praise the Lord, He loves you. Praise the Lord, He loves me. But He also loves them as well. And for Jonah, that was the people of Nineveh. Nineveh was, Nineveh was his enemy. They were uh, talking with Todd on Thursday. We were looking at this map, and they were like this massive powerhouse. And they were like wiping out everybody. And what they did to their enemies, if you were, if you were fortunate, unfortunate enough to live, I think I'd rather die than go back to Nineveh, but they would poke out people's eyes and say, hey, go wander through the city. We might flay you alive. We might cut off your limbs and let you wander through the city. We might put you on the cross and crucify you. And that was who Jonah was supposed to talk to. And Jonah's looking saying, look what they did to your people. Look what they did to my friends. I, I can't love these people. I can't forgive these people. But God is consistent and he loves them just as much as he loves me. Who has never flayed anybody. Who has never shot anybody. Who's never robbed a bank. Who's never done those big horrific thought of crimes. God loves them exactly as much as God loves me. So those, the people that Jonah was coming in contact with, to his own people, he gave them God's messages, the people of Nineveh he, he was sent to, God loves them. And God loves everybody that you come in contact as well. That might be people that you like or people that you don't like. It might be your classmates. It might be people at the grocery store. It might be the guy lost and looking for directions. 
God loves us all the same. From that unborn baby in that womb that has no idea what the outside world looks like, says it's a lot warmer inside, I wish I could go back, right? To the, to the person on death row who's committed the horrific crimes, to the person on life support who has no idea what's going on. God loves every single person. God loves them too. It doesn't matter on their nationality. It doesn't matter their race or their color or the gender they think they have. God loves every single person. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 45, or 5, chapter, chapter 5, verse 45 says, God causes the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. I bet yesterday when you drove around town, you saw big sections of the earth that were dry, right? Because they were unrighteous. No, every little square inch that could be covered by water was covered by water because God loves everybody the same. God is consistent in showing his love, which reminds me of. OK, so here's a picture. Just a recap. Jonah was here. He was supposed to go up here to Nineveh and he went down to Joppa and he tried to head all the way over here and instead of going back this way. That's the way God brought him. But God loves Nineveh as much as he loves Tarshish and as much as he loves anybody here. This makes what, what the four examples I brought up last week where God's asked you to go to South Dakota and you it makes going to South Dakota that much more important to go because God is something that he wants you to do. God loves those people you're going to come in contact with as much as he loves you who are getting the opportunity to stay here. God loves the person that you were supposed to go visit or stop by or see at the grocery store or the post office. God loves those people as much as he loves you. God made that bully, that person that you don't like. God loves that person as much as he loves you. It makes it that much more important that you go and do and say what God's asked you to do. You don't have to like them. You don't have to like the assignment. You've just got to be faithful to go where God's asked you to go. We have an amazing and consistent God. And I'm, I'm at times I'm very grateful for that because I need all the love and slow to anger and compassion that I can get. And I'm sure everybody here says, yes, thank you, God, for that. And I imagine, you know, I, I've never had to go through a real horrific time in my life. I mean, I've had people die suddenly that I've loved. Um, I've had people hurt my family. and But it's not to the extent of had somebody murdered my family member. I've never had that. I looked up uh, missionaries that were put, put to death like out on the mission field. There's a guy by the name of, I think, Jim Elliott, where they were trying to reach this uh, country in South America. And you can read other stories like this where they're, they got speared to death by the enemy. Well, their family, were, they, they were crying, they said, but what did they do? They didn't say, I'm staying the, the world away from there. They said, I am going down there, and I'm going to love those people. I've never had anybody hurt my family so deeply to, to put myself in Jonah's shoes exactly. And I hope to never do that. But if somebody did, you know, Noah's going to graduate in a year, and if he moves his, or two years, if he moves to Atlanta like he wants to do and do music, which pray he doesn't, pray he stays closer to home. <laughs> Are you listening, Noah? And somebody does something to him, guess what Daddy Bear is going to want to do? He's going to want to go beat the tar out of somebody. 
And I hope that doesn't happen. But I might find myself in that position where I've got to go face that person in court and say, I forgive you. God still loves you. You know, so I, I put my, I, I look at Jonah and say, boy, that would be hard to do. But God, I know is consistent. I know that God loved me, treated me in a way I didn't deserve. I know because I've sinned once and a million times, I deserve to go to hell. And that's the truth. And that's where we all sit. We all deserve to go to hell. But God says, I'm consistent. I love you. I'm going to come and let Jesus die on the cross to pay for your sins so that you can have eternal life. So I hope that you're sitting here, it's sinking in. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I can't look and say, man, what somebody did to me and how somebody hurt me. But stop and say, look where I am. Where, where do I fit in this picture? I'm a sinner who needs Jesus as my Savior. And I want to encourage you to put your faith in Him. It's a very simple prayer. Jesus, I'm a, I've done things that are wrong. Please forgive me. Please give me eternal life. And He will give you salvation. If you want to pray with somebody or you want to talk with somebody, I'm always here. I'm not going to make you come up here. I know no one ever does that kind of thing. And I don't want to put you on the spot. But I want you to consider where are you going to go? Are you going to put it off another day and say, boy, I got away with this this whole time? Or are you going to realize that God is consistent? He will forgive me. But at some point, it's going to be too late. Don't wait until that point because then it is too late. Jonah's been a good book. We saw him as the runaway. We saw him as with the rescue. We saw him, God do amazing things to him with the revival. And we saw him with a rotten attitude because God loved them as much as he loved him. Just be grateful that God loves you and try to share that love with other people. Let's pray. Father God, I do thank you for this book. God, I thank you for all the truths that I learned going through it myself. Uh, I didn't know there was this much in here, and I just pray that, God, as we are reading through your scriptures, that the truth that we need to learn would stand out to us. God, I don't know if anybody in here doesn't know he's your Savior. You know, I've, we've had opportunities for people to come forward and no one ever has. So I, I can look and say, well, I assume people do. But you know whether or not they do. And so I just pray, God, that if, if, if somebody here doesn't know you're their Savior, that you would awaken that in them. That they cannot go another moment without stopping, even in the quietest, quietness of their own mind, to make things right with you. I know you love them, God, in spite of what they've done. And God, I know that you love me in spite of what I've done. And you love them, the world, in spite of what they've done. Please help us, God, to be bold in living out our faith and in sharing our faith. And God, I pray that the people we talk to about you would put their faith in Jesus as well. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.